I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Welcome back to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And today we're going to be chatting to Megan Hatton. She lives with BPD. We're going to be finding out about that and how she's been getting on during the pandemic. So welcome, Megan. Um, Welcome to Mentally Yours. Thanks very much for joining us. So we first sort of met you through the Mentally Yours Facebook group and now you're having a chat with us, which is amazing. Thank you for coming on. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. When we sort of had our sort of initial chat before this, you sort of mentioned mm-hmm. about um, BPD and sort of some of the other things you've been through. Um, and I guess we just wanted to sort of have a little chat about that sort of stuff and how things have been during the pandemic. To be honest, I know, yeah. I'm not even sure where to start with this. Um, where we should start before we jump into it is clarify what BPD is, mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't know that um, acronym. Yeah. So BPD stands for Borderline Personality Disorder, um, which is a, it's sort of like a mood disorder that affects your way of reacting to the world and sort of with other people. Um, So the main, there's nine main symptoms. And if you've got more than five of them, five or more of them, you're classified as having the disorder. Um, they recently changed the name to emotionally unstable disorder, but I found that more offensive. So I just stick with the old term because it's just it doesn't really yeah. d- describe what it actually is, you know. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. Um, I think like with therapy and things, you can get better, but it's actually a lifelong condition. So there's mm-hmm. no specific medicine for it. Um, so, yeah. Is there specific treatment as well? Yeah. So, well, Mm. it really depends on what symptoms affect you the most. So like, for example, people with BPD, um, 
the symptoms range so it can go from depression anxiety um drug and alcohol abuse you can have um unstable relationships very impulsive behavior you can have very bad anger um it can even go to psychosis so um it's like hallucinations delusions that kind of thing so depending on what symptoms you have is what treatment plan they will come up with for you so for example the treatment plan that worked for me is I was given CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. because I struggled quite badly with like impulsive decisions and like drug and alcohol abuse and anger and I also got put in psychiatric hospitals to target the psychosis and I was put on antipsychotics for that side of things um so yeah it just really depends on what you suffer from some people have it so mild they don't even know it's Mm. all on a spectrum how did you get diagnosed um so I got diagnosed about four years ago Mm. Um, it started, so actually during therapy, we realized I'd been ill since I was very young. Um, no one knows why you can just, it's just the way that you relate to the world. But Mm -hmm. I got diagnosed because I was using, I was partying quite a lot when I moved to, I moved to Glasgow, um, to go to college when I was 19 and I, I was partying quite a lot. And, um, I just, one day like on I was at a bar and I just snapped I thought um there were cameras in the walls I thought people in the bar were keeping tabs on me um I wasn't on anything that night I was literally I'd had a couple of glasses of wine mm. um so I went back to my flat and my flatmate just turned to me and she was like if I took you to hospital right now would you come with me and I said yeah and then I woke up in a psychiatric hospital um they didn't diagnose me then they actually gave me a diagnosis of drug-induced psychosis but the next time I went to the psychiatric hospital that's when they realized I had like a a personality disorder because of other symptoms that I would show Hmm. that's so interesting that you said they kind of dismissed it as drug-induced because you said Mm. you were not on anything that's so yeah frustrating well the thing with that so the thing with drug-induced psychosis so the types of drugs I was using over that summer Mm. were hallucinogenics so I was using sort of acid um that kind of thing quite frequently um Mm. which you're not meant to do at all but I mean if you are going to do it (laughs) do it very minimally um not every weekend um so it got to the point where even though I wasn't on anything that particular night because I'd been on hallucinogenics consistently for that Mm. summer um it had basically just it given me psychosis apparently people had noticed for a while that I was acting strangely but I didn't know I was um Mm. it was only that night when I was so set in my ways I, I, I so thought that my reality was reality like how can you not see the government officials have placed cameras in the walls like you're ridiculous like I'm obviously right and it was only when I realized that I was wrong that I realized I was psychotic um and that's why they said drug induced but mm. yeah I, thankfully I got given a new diagnosis because I've not taken drugs in you know a long time so mm. um they realized that it wasn't just because of that mm. How was your time um, in hospital, if you don't mind me asking? Like, the, you said you've been in a few times. 
Um, how was that? Yeah. Um, the f- actually really beneficial. The first time was a bit daunting because I was super young. I was 19 and I'd never even been in any kind of hospital. So I didn't, I didn't understand where I was or why I was there. Um, and you're with a lot of very ill people. Um, so you see a lot of things and hear a lot of things that you would never be exposed to going about your your life usually. Um, but I actually grew to, I know this sounds weird, but I actually grew to really enjoy it. I, I went to hospital four times and you get to see a lot of the same people and the moments that you have in there are just like, you're, I mean, it's a bunch of really vulnerable, ill people all living together. It's 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 funny and it's like beautiful and you share stories and we had karaoke nights and you learn a lot. Like that's where most of my knowledge for mental illness has come from because in my one dorm room I had a schizophrenic patient right beside me I had someone who was so depressed they were doing electric shock therapy um I had people with anxiety and you would all just talk and learn from each other and I actually found it really interesting but also quite isolating sometimes as well because you are sort of stuck there like having to deal with what's gone on and it can be quite daunting sometimes Mm. um yeah did you find some of the treatment that you got in there was useful and if so what was the most useful do you think yeah so usually when I was in there actually the treatment I was on was basically starting me on an antipsychotic and basically observing me um there were talking therapies and things so I did find the treatment in there useful, but I would say the best treatment I got was as an outpatient when I left hospital. It was the therapy that they gave me afterwards. Um, when I was in there, I mean, there was one nurse and he was amazing. And like he would come and chat to me and basically just give me free therapy and really listen to me to like my life and we would just chat back and forth and he wasn't even like meant to do that do you know what I mean like he wasn't Mm. you know it wasn't his role um to do that and that was the thing I found the most beneficial was the nurses in there because you don't really see your psychiatrist (laughs) like you see them like once and then that's it um it's the nurses that really make or break your stay and they were definitely so important to me getting out and things like that yeah, definitely. Was it just having someone who was kind of listening and who was there for you that was so helpful? Yeah, definitely. I think like you can feel quite alone in there. You're away from your friends mm. and family. You're quite scared. Um, I was, there's times when I was terrified because I'm not like, I'm not scared of people with mental illnesses at all. But th- there were times when other patients would say things and do things that would terrify me I'm sure I terrified them at some point as well but um the nurses kind of just they sort of feel like your guardians like they're you know they're looking after you they're making sure that you're okay they chat to you they they I think the last time I was in I was in one in Glasgow and they would even hold like little weekly meetings as as if we were on a board just to discuss what we think we can do to make the environment better what we dislike like we all got a say in what we like and what we dislike um 
And from those meetings, we would have more activity time or we would X, Y and Z, you know, we would all sort of get that autonomy. So they were great. Yeah. Mm. How did you find it um, with your family and friends in terms of um, telling about telling them about what was going on? I mean, were you still in contact with them or um, were you sort of did you want to not tell them what was going on? Um, Because that was a big thing for me when I was um, in a mental health unit. It was I I didn't tell any of my friends because I was quite ashamed of it. But I think it would have been quite quite helpful actually thinking about it now. Yeah. Did you just do that alone then? Well, my parents knew about it. Um, Yeah. And one of my friends who, well, one girl that I sort of made friends with in the unit obviously knew about it. Um, Yeah. No, not anyone really outside of it. Oh goodness! I wouldn't recommend Um, that. <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> oh no um yeah I can imagine that's quite yeah like quite isolating but I get it I get that there's a stigma behind it and you also don't want to worry people or get anyone's opinions because you don't know how they're going to react but really I didn't have a choice like I woke up there and I didn't even know I was there and my parents had already been called um my friends I'd snapped in front of all my friends at a bar so it was sort of you know common knowledge at that point what was going on um so I didn't really get a choice in it but to be honest I think everyone was the only emotion I got from everyone and especially my family was relief um they'd everyone had known for ages that I wasn't well but I hadn't as I've Mm. as I've already said so they were all just relieved because they just knew that I needed it and they were just glad that I was there. Um, it was nice to have, you know, my friends would come and visit me. Like I had someone visit me basically every second day, which I can't imagine like how how you did it without seeing anyone. Like I would just, it would have driven me up the wall, I think. <laughs> I just couldn't. Um you know, you mentioned that your family and friends were relieved that you were getting the treatment. Did yeah. you feel any kind of relief as well, even just figuring out what was actually going on? Um, yeah, I would say after the first few days, um, mm. after I, I spoke to a psychiatrist, um, I would say I, I felt relief. But initially when I woke up there and I was so out of it and just so confused and I remember Mm. looking around at the other patients being like how am I here I'm just I'm just me I'm just 19 year old me I don't get how I'm sharing a hospital space with these people who are seriously ill like I'm not Mm. like them and I was just confused and angry at everyone um the nurses I was very like just angry all the time and then it was only when my psychiatrist he was a very straightforward man um he said to me, he was like, you're psychotic. You do know that, don't you? And I just was like, oh God. And that was the first time I had to actually think about it. Like, am I? And that really clicked to me. Oh, you're right. I am. Because they always say like, I know we shouldn't use this word, but the saying is like, oh, you don't know. Like a crazy person doesn't know they're crazy. Mm. It's like, I didn't know. And then when he said that to me, I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Like, I'm not well. And then I felt really relieved that I was sort of in a place where I would kind of get better. I mean, it took four years, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> okay now. 
What were some of the key things um, that have helped you like on the road to kind of getting better and managing um, BPD? Um, I would say my, well, obviously my friends and family. Um, I would say meditation has been a massive part of my life, as has writing. Um, just writing in my journal, I write poetry. Um, it's just all the, I think the little things, like getting a routine as well. With BPD, they do say one of the main triggers is like, um, any changes in your life even if they're positive like say you get a new job you move house you get into a relationship like that's still all like changes to your routine and that can trigger mm -hmm. an episode so it's not to say don't like just sit in your room and don't do anything but <laughs> but like um yeah I think the main thing for me is to kind of also understanding my illness like all I've done for the past four years is research 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 go to therapy, understand like what other people have gone through. And I can spot an episode like miles off now. So I know when it's coming. Um, whereas before I'd find myself, I mean, yeah, knee deep mm -hmm. in it, you know. So uh, yeah, I think just having that support around me and having things that I'm passionate about and just learning. I think psychotherapy, if for anyone, like that would be my main advice is once you're diagnosed, just um just no what's the word not psychotherapy it's called psychoeducation yeah. and just learn about your illness and how you can combat it and things mm. on the topic of big life changes neatly <laughs> going into this segue um we're in a pandemic how has yes. that been for you has that been difficult has that triggered anything for you yeah, so actually initially, so the first lockdown, 2020, um, weirdly enough, I was fine. I would say mm. that was the best year for my mental health, weirdly. I, I don't know how. I've, like, all the odds were against me. I'd lost my job. I'd also lost the place I lived because at that point I was, like, doing a live-in position in the Highlands. So I worked on a holiday park and I lived there as well so when I lost my job I lost like my home as well so I moved back in with my parents and I just thought this is it I'm gonna have an episode and I just didn't like I was fine I was so positive I got to spend four months with my parents which never happens as an adult um but recently since so Glasgow has I said that's so Glaswegian then Glasgow has <laughs> <laughs> had a new lockdown since like January and that's mm. been really difficult. So I got signed off work um, from early January up until I go back on Monday. So that's been quite difficult. I live with two of my friends now in the city. Um, and I think all of us are just struggling with it quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I would say the pandemic's affected me this time round. Mm. I, I, don't... I think a lot of people are saying that actually yeah some I've... people just feel the exhaustion it's like yeah. lockdown burnout kind of thing yeah definitely I think so as well because like I think in the beginning like we were all just sort of we had that hope that it was going to go away and mm. also like I don't know about you guys but there were so many hobbies that people were taking up it was all like yes yeah but see now sitting knitting watching a movie it's no longer like this relaxing luxury it's just a chore it's what we do every night it's like 
that we're not meant to live our lives within four walls seeing like the same mm. person or people so I think so many of my friends have said the same thing that like this lockdown has been the worst one because mm. it's been a year we all just want to like get on with our lives like we've not seen some of our loved ones in you know over like six months so mm. yeah it's definitely mm. been 100 <laughs> because I think like you're saying I think the first lockdown it sounds weird but there was still kind of like a collective like oh this is new and like here's yeah. all the fun things we're doing and now it's just like we've <sighs> run out of energy <laughs> to yes, do any of those things. <laughs> exactly no, I know. so how are you how are you looking after yourself in this especially tough lockdown well hmm well, we do a lot of self-care. So I've taken up yoga again. Well, I, I mean, I was before the shingles. And then we just sort of, I'm lucky I live with two of my best friends. Like they're basically mm. sisters. So we're very good at telling each other when we're angry, like when to avoid each other or like when we're sad or whatever. Um, we come up with activity lists. So like this week on Valentine's Day, we want to paint to Bob Ross and like love drink some wine <laughs> and just amazing plan <laughs> put them all up on the wall so um yeah and we we're gonna go buy some fish and just look after them um we're gonna do like an escape room but in the living room I don't know how that's gonna go but we'll just oh, see yeah, yeah, I've done one of them. You, yeah have you how did it, it go it was great fun yeah it was a Harry Potter escape room because Oh we were goodness. like Harry Potter. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it took about half an hour and it was great. It did help that one of my friends is really good at maths because a lot of the, the things to solve the challenges seem to be maths based. Um, oh, yeah. So. That's where I fail. <laughs> but it was fun. Nope. And you know what? It was just nice to have like a different thing to be focusing on and, you know, yeah. rather than just the usual sort of, oh, what you're watching on Netflix or, you know, like the the same kind of conversations we have. It was nice to be all working on something like that together. Yeah, mm. and it can last all night if you're not good at problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you've had a, you know, you've had a drink. Or you've or had a few. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's mm. going to be the boat we're in. So yeah, I might steal the Harry Potter idea actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of what we're doing. We're just doing activity lists and coming up with. We were all feeling it the other night. My one of my flatmates, mm. she came through and she was like, "I'm fed up. I'm bored of all our usual activities." And we were like, right, let's sit down. Let's write it all down. Um, she also came up with, <laughs> she wants us all to like make a PowerPoint presentation on anything. Yes. Yeah. So oh, have you, have you seen the TikToks of people doing these? No, but she's really into TikTok. So that's where she got yes. the idea. And I was like, oh. what are you on about? And then she told me it's meant to be really fun. So I was like, I'm going to do mine on tree frogs. Oh, like I'm yes. really into that. But apart, like, I don't know what they're going to do theirs on, but we're going to make that an evening as well. And Honestly, I'll just learn something. Have you done it? What, no, I've never done it, but I would love to. But I think I'm having the same thing as your friend of like <laughs> convincing people that it's not really boring. It took um, a long time. I was like, what? Yeah, it's difficult to be like, so we're going to make a presentation but for fun. <laughs> like, it's hard to explain. But yeah, I keep seeing it on TikTok and they, it just looked like the most fun. Yeah, um, I need to go and look at the video because I'm so honestly. not convinced. Because she was like, on Thursday, we can do PowerPoint presentation prep. And on Friday, we can do the PowerPoint presentations. And I was like, 
okay. I love it. It's great. No, I'm a big fan of your house, mate. Already, <laughs> sounds great. They're both. Oh, they're both incredible. That's so good, though, because I think the isolation of mm-hmm. lockdown is immense, and having people that you live with that are actively like, let's do these things to feel good. Yeah, it's immensely powerful. Yeah, it's it's definitely amazing. Like all three of us are just like we just get each other, and you know it just doesn't matter what form we're in, whether we're like drunk on the couch or you know crying in a corner. Like we've got each other's backs, so I think it's so important. I feel for anyone who has to like live alone during mm. this. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Massively, but we can we can still take note from your very good list of activities because all of those things can be done remotely you can do it virtually you could do a zoom painting thing which i also want to steal that idea the bob ross it sounds sounds so nice see to make it even more challenging so i watched i can't remember he's like a famous youtuber i think his name's chris or something but he um Mm. did this one where he tried to do like paint bob ross but only with listening to bob ross so you don't know what he's painting you just listen and the picture that you come up with obviously is not going to be anything like what Bob Ross is actually painting but it just sounds super fun but we're gonna just yeah but we're gonna watch and we're gonna hang all three of the paintings up beside each other and just have it there it's a lockdown art (laughs) I love it no I think it's really cute I know a lot of people have got into um like paint by numbers I I think it's gonna be like the next big thing honestly yeah like, I think it's gonna be the next sourdough bread because everyone has been recommending it I want to bring back sequin art have you ever done sequin art is that oh no Sounds what's fun. sequin art yeah it was like it came out in like the early noughties it was like it's basically just sequins with little needles it's basically paint by numbers but with sequins um Definitely not for small children but obviously no one cared <laughs> back then um and you just sort of it's just this big picture made just of sequins. It's so tacky, but it's so fun. I love it. I think it's Amazon. It. It. <laughs> and it sounds amazing. And it looks, there's literally like a sparkling lion face that you yes. can do. I think it yeah, sounds like you probably make a good cushion cover with that. That sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it is so fun. I'm actually going to order one tonight. Could we do it. just finish up um, by talking a little bit sort of briefly about your work? Because at the moment yeah. you're working for a bank, is that right? But it's really awesome yes. because you're planning to train as a counsellor, which given your background, I think is really brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why have you decided to do that? Um, well, I've been a wee bit lost for a few years, obviously, with my mental health and things. I've I've tried and failed at many a college and uni course. Um and I've floated between hospitality and call center jobs and just never found my niche and then I just put two and two together recently and I was like in the future I want to be self-employed and I want to work in mental health so like I'll just like it just makes sense to be a counselor Mm -hmm. like naturally people come to me for advice on mental health like my, my loved ones and I know a lot about it already, not to say I know enough to be a counsellor just now, but I'm just about to start studying next week on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, I think I've had the experience from the flip side. So I think that's mm. so important that when I finally go into it, I'm going into it still as someone who's been through so much and like 
most things in this life that you go through by the time you're old I've been through before I was even you know 23 um and I just feel like I need to put that to use and help other people and 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 just listen and be there because I I don't think enough people especially right now feel like they're heard and that they have help so yeah that's really that's not to get all like emotional but that's really powerful (laughs) it's 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 a really lovely thing to hear because I think it's incredible yeah it's brilliant yeah it's just what you're saying about actually you've lived this you understand it and you want to hear people I think is very strong and you should it should be like commended well done thank you well same to you guys you guys do this every week so you know I think we're all in the like business of helping people I think it's so important If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or you can email them at joe@samaritans.org. You can also go to their website, which is samaritans.org. If you've liked this, please give us a rate and review. We're also on social media, on Twitter at MentallyYRS, and we're also on Facebook. The group is private, but it's just called Mentally Yours. See you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.